And welcome back, everybody, to a podcast in space and time. Today, we are talking about Doctor Who Series 1, Episode 9, The Empty Child. I'm Holden B. Huffman. I'm Kendall Coffey. And we'll be right back after this intro. Okay, so Kendall. Yes. You know, when most people talk about a Captain Jack, what do most people think of? Um, you know, I, I would think probably Captain Jack Sparrow from the beloved Pirates of the Caribbean right. franchise. Right. Most people are like Captain Jack Sparrow. I'm like, no. Listen, y'all. <laughs> there is one Captain Jack that we stand here on a podcast in space mm-hmm. and time. And that is Captain Jack Harkness. Captain Jack Harkness all the way. Just a wonderful, lovely man. I just, I just love Captain Jack Harkness. So I much. just love John and Barman. <laughs> John Barman. He's just, he's so good. Mm-hmm. I anyway, do know, welcome to our John Barman yeah. fan, ca- fan podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he's been an Arrow. He's a villain on the CWDC show Arrow. And the yeah, beloved CW DC show Arrow. <laughs> uh, not by me, but I I have seen like half an episode, and not to get on the bad side of Arrow fans, but I I, th- I don't think it's for me really. It's it's a little bit yeah, it's a, it's a little bit in the edgy side of DC for my it, taste. It really is. Like I watched the first two episodes, and I watched the first episode of Flash. I just couldn't get into it. I, I did enjoy Flash. I got I got pretty far into Flash before getting mm-hmm. distracted, but it's definitely one I would return to. Mm-hmm. I have watched all the clips of certain stuff from the last big crossover thing they did because you had people like Christopher, not Christopher Reeves, but Brandon, I don't remember, the guy who played Superman in um, Superman Returns. Mm. And also Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne. How oh, nice. And, and Ezra Miller's Flash. Oh, I do love Ezra. I love both of the Flashes. I I, I did enjoy the Flash show. It's it's kind of mm-hmm. night and day to mm-hmm. the um, Arrow show, though. Right, and I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the Fox show Gotham. It's it's a love-hate relationship with that. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's yeah. talk about Doctor Who. Okay, enough about our uh, DC fandom stuff. Welcome to our DC uh, podcast. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to our random tangents. Um, let's okay. talk about the episode. Yeah. So uh, first really... off, just a solid episode. Like Very one of my good. favorites of the season. Like I'm kind of debating whether this or Dalek is my favorite. It's very, it's very difficult. This, th- this is a very good part one episode. And I think that like probably bring, just because it's part one of, of mm-hmm. two parts brings it down in my ranking a little bit just because like okay you know with with any like two-parter doctor who um you know like episodes Mm -hmm. i think you lose a little bit of the like the unique quality that makes doctor who what it is because like I, i think i think a lot of what makes doctor who really special is in how the doctor resolves conflict Mm -hmm. and when you have a two-part episode you don't really get that that resolution you just get sort of the 
the build up to the revolution and you do get a lot of very doctory moments and right. there's some great there's some great doctor moments in this episode but mm-hmm. how how the doctor resolves things i i think is really what um sets the show apart in a lot of ways and there are a lot of episodes in the future which we've talked about previously with um aliens of london and world war 3 where two their two parters really are solid episodes and can really do it good right yeah there are yeah. some but that that is one of the downfalls of Doctor Who is that they're two-parters. Sometimes it feels like it should have just been a one-time episode. And I don't think that's the case here. I think this definitely needed mm. to be a two-parter. Oh, definitely. Um, there's a lot of story threads that mm. it introduces, and there's a lot to this kind of mystery it's creating. And I, I think it does it very well. But um, Yeah, the suspense and everything, The it, it's really good. Like, I wrote down, I'm not... I'm not a horror movie fan. I'm really not. Like, I just not a fan of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I I don't really, I don't really like things that are really gory and also things Mm -hmm. that are, have a lot of like jump scares. And I think a lot of horror, I can handle the gore. It's mainly the jump scares for me. Yeah. I mean, like I can handle some degree of gore that, there's just like it, it seems to get gratuitous sometimes mm. with with horror movies like you know i i, I really yeah. like logan and that's a very gory movie but it's right 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 and like mm. like the term the terminator like it's got some gory moments but it's still a really good film yeah it's just there's just like some i don't know it seems to be a thing with horror movie where it, it does get a little gratuitous at times and yeah definitely um, but I think what this episode does really well is it's very suspenseful. And mm-hmm. that's what I enjoy in like a, a kind of horror story is something with a lot, with a really good buildup of suspense that kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat and um, kind of keeps you guessing in a way. Um, yeah. And that's also a downfall to so many movies is like the suspense is so built up, but then when you see what the actual monster is, you're kind it's kind of a letdown. Yeah. Especially nowadays when mm-hmm. there's, and I, I don't like mean to harp on CGI a lot. Cause I think it is a very, it's a very good artistic medium and it, it's a very, mm-hmm. like it's come a long way, but right. I think there's almost a over-reliance on it in some ways especially when you're trying to make something really scary mm-hmm. like CG, cgi has its place but it really should be used mostly for practical things like things you can get away with easily with using cgi like a lot like what christopher nolan does well and i don't i don't know it, it's it's a it's a tricky place for me mm-hmm. especially as an artist like i can really i can really appreciate the ability to create things that really couldn't be created in physical ways like that's true that's true like like thanos for instance he looks absolutely beautiful yeah and um i think like a a really good example of a cgi monster that works for that works really well is um from a quiet place the 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 monsters in that movie hey hey no 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 spoilers i've no spoilers i've still Um, not seen that (laughs) it's it's a great film um yeah i've been meaning to i have been one of the movies that's kind of in the horror genre that i actually really enjoy but i think why they work so well is because you don't really see them much until the very Mm. end Um, like that's why i enjoy stranger things so much it's a lot more built on suspense and mystery right as well 
and also like i don't know there's something to be said for a really good monster design be it cgi or not and Mm -hmm. i guess a, a lot of other a lot of um there's a lot of movies where once you see the monster design, it's not that good. <laughs> like Jaws 3D. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Jaws 3D? I have not. I haven't seen the, I've seen a review on it and it is pathetic. The, the CG is pathetic. It's like, it's like Spy Kids 3D. Like they knew they were shooting it in 3D. So they took advantage of the 3D and threw things in your face. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one fad that i'm glad has passed on oh, mostly at this God. point is 3d um for a while it was every movie mm-hmm. was in 3d i remember we saw um we saw captain america winter soldier in 3d and oh did you it was it was not a pleasant experience mm-hmm. yeah 3D i saw... kind of makes me seasick uh, yeah the only two i've only seen two movies in 3d uh the doctor who 50th anniversary special and yeah. uh and Thor Ragnarok. And I think that's why I didn't really like Thor Ragnarok the first time I viewed it because the 3D was just so in, in my face and I could, didn't fully enjoy the film. Thor Ragnarok is already kind of a trip as it is. Yeah. I, think, I can't imagine adding 3D on top of that. Especially it was a wild ride. And like now, now Thor Ragnarok's one of my favorite Marvel movies. Oh yeah, but same. the first the first viewing, it's just like, oh gosh, I I just didn't enjoy it, and I think it really was because of the 3D. Yeah, and that's I did see the Winter Soldier twice, and the time I saw it in 3D, I, I enjoyed it a lot less than the other time um, mm-hmm. in theaters. That is, I've I've seen it since then, but right. Um, okay, back to Doctor Who. <laughs> back to Doctor Who. <laughs> um, I love that the episode just gets straight into it. Um, oh like yeah, before, we were ta- before the ti- before the title sequence. Yeah, it has like a I think that it's in media res is what they call it when you kind of jump straight into the middle okay. of the action. Okay. Um, I, I should probably know that I'm a theater student. I should probably know that. Uh, in media res is, is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, okay. but like a very a very intense like kind of takes you a minute to get your sea legs kind of mm-hmm. intro, and I, I really enjoy that, and I think this was the right time in the season to do that kind of, that kind of intro. It's nearing the end of the season. Right. Yeah. Um, It really wouldn't work earlier on in the season before we quite know what the show is about. But now like we, we know what's happening. We know who the doctor Mm -hmm. is, who Rose is, how kind of how time travel works. And Mm -hmm. it works at this point to like throw us right into it and let us catch up without it being like too frustrating mm, and also my boy Stephen moffat wrote this episode <laughs> Stephen moffat we we have a we have very like mixed feelings on Stephen moffat and i think you know most of the doctor who fandom does as well i think most of mine that, are most of mine are pretty pretty positive and for me yeah and i, I think I, I i mostly feel pretty positive about especially with like the matt smith era stuff mm-hmm. um I think, um, and we'll talk about all that later, but the thing with Moffat is when he does things well, he does them very well. Um, and when he does them bad, he does them very bad. Right. And this, this is definitely an example of him doing something very well. Um, right. We have a, we have a great suspense. We have a great mystery. Um, I know we talked a little bit about the, um, the villain, I guess the monster of this episode, but 
Um, I just love the simplicity of mm-hmm. it's it's a kid in a gas mask, and that's it, all so, it is. That's all it is, and it, it's so simple, and you know, it's so effective though. Um, like him walking around going mommy in that like really yeah no it's like it's really creepy like you really wouldn't think that would be something that's creepy but it really is yeah and i don't know there's something about um like taking i guess something familiar which would be like a kid and Mm -hmm. bringing something kind of unsettling in a way like you have the mask and you can't see it's kind of like uh pennywise like you yeah. bring you bring in something familiar, a clown, and then make it completely unsettling. Right, yeah. Like you can't see the kid's face, the expression or anything. You just like mm-hmm. see him kind of walking around in almost an unnatural way, you know? Like Right. Um it's it's like the uh um the idea of oh that that ain't that ain't no dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you see something that's like familiar but it's not quite right i had the opposite effect when we saw the hunger games like hey that's a dog no that's supposed to be all the the contestants mutated to look like a beast yeah and it was just like a it was just a pit bull yeah i'm like dude it's supposed to be all the previous it's supposed to be like rue everyone else mutated into beasts yeah um, <laughs> that, that that's another tangent that was like one of Lion Gate's first like sort of science fiction movies, and I think it's they were true. like, I think they weren't quite ready to. Right. They really hit the for me. Effect. They really hit it out of the park with Catching Fire. Catching Fire was great. Mm, that's my um, that's my favorite book of the series. It's my favorite film of the series. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Doctor. Yeah, I just we're love gonna... I love the London Blitz, like the Doctor just walking up. Has anyone seen anything fall out of the sky? Maybe explode. I was just thinking in that scene, like, okay, so the doctor's not quite got the hang of knowing immediately where he is or mm-hmm. what time period. Because later in the, um, and I don't think this is really a spoiler. It but really later is. In, later in um, New Who, we see the doctor will, like, arrive on a location and, like, kind of, like, taste the dirt and tell us exactly where we're at <laughs> yeah well, no, yeah no i'm like in series 11 when the doctor sees a, a sheep and i'm like wait a second i don't know what time period we are in and then she takes a <laughs> she takes a bite of the grass and is like we're good not there yet not there yet uh um yeah i love little moments like that but yeah it, it was funny that like the doctor is not there yet and uh-huh. kind of um gets gets it wrong about um i guess gets it wrong in a funny way right and everybody just kind of starts laughing because Mm -hmm. like things are falling from the sky all the time of course (laughs) Uh, um what about mickey this this keeps bothering me because honestly like rose and um Captain Jack's interactions were great. They had yeah, they really have good great, chemistry. They have great chemistry. And like Billy Piper is like she's really good, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's she's a great actress who Oh, definitely. She she plays I mean, she plays the part so well. And I I, mm-hmm. I would find her so I would find her really charming and appealing 
if it were not for the fact that like right. she's supposed to have a boyfriend. But if Mick, if Mickey Smith, we talked about this while watching the episode. If Mickey Smith just didn't exist at all, yeah, I would have no problem would, with Rose whatsoever. Yeah, no, I wouldn't exactly. Like that is my biggest problem with Rose. I would my problems with she'd probably be one of my favorite companions. Yeah, because like you know, I I don't mind her like flirting with everybody. It's fun, right. but like it's it's not fun when you think okay, but she literally like ditched her boyfriend right in the well, I guess future in this case, but uh-huh. in his own time, and is kind of just like flirting with every attractive dude who comes along, and it's like right. You have I mean, we had Adam who turned out to be a total jerk, twirling his evil mustache. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we've got Jack, and it's like, you know, uh, if it wasn't working out with Rose and Mickey, I can understand that. I can understand if, like, you know, she wanted to break up with Mickey, but like, no. just just do it then. Don't right. like, don't leave him literally hanging. Right, well, not no. literally hanging. Like as as a guy who's never been in a relationship and has been close to being in relationships before, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not yeah. fun. Don't don't just don't just leave Mickey hanging like that. Like cut the poor boy loose so he can yeah. go Move off on. and be with so he can go off and be with somebody who's like better for him. Yeah. Some you may, maybe someone else who's been screwed over by Rose and the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's a spoiler. Spoilers. It's a spoiler, but I didn't say the name and so people have no idea what I'm talking about except it's a very vague spoiler. Something. Exactly, exactly. Um yeah, and I don't know, it, it's tough because, like, yeah, this is a really, like, they have some really fun moments um, mm-hmm. in in this episode, but, like, all I could think in the back of my mind was, okay, but, like, Mickey, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I wrote, I wrote down again later in my notes, Rose, what about Mickey in all caps? Yeah. <laughs> That's when, that, I wrote that when they started dancing and everything. Yeah, and like again, you know, some really fun interactions with them. Um, obviously, Billy Piper was having a blast, and um, I mean, if I was dancing with John Barman, I mean, same, I would be having a blast too. But, <laughs> um, yeah, they they were both like they both were having a lot of fun, just like the actors mm-hmm. and the characters, and it, you you can kind of you can kind mm-hmm. of tell when like the actor is really enjoying you know, enjoying yeah. a scene or a, an episode. And like, I, th- I think that really comes across. Like they're both having a lot of fun. It seems yeah, like that's something I wrote down near the end of my notes. All these side characters are good. Like that's very rare in Dr. Who when you care about literally everyone on screen. Yeah. I thought, I thought Nancy was great. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a very, I, I think she was a more complex character than like, you would normally see in this kind of role, you know, cause right. we we've seen sort of the lone character taking care of a bunch of orphans, like that type of character before. Mm. Um, and it, ne- next I, you'll be flying up to the darling's house and picking up Wendy, John and Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got kind of like a, a Peter Pan thing, but, um, mm-hmm. but she, I thought her attitude, like, was very realistic like she wasn't overly optimistic she wasn't overly right. like um upbeat or positive she she felt very like grounded as someone who's like actually living through a war and right. 
like scraping to get by, you know, and had lost someone close to her. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, still managing to just be a really good person and Mm -hmm. to, to really care about people. Like she hadn't lost that, but you could, you could definitely feel the loss that she had experienced. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, can we talk about the doctor's humanity of just, even though he senses something wrong with the child, he just can't bear the thought of leaving this child outside in the night during the London Blitz. Yeah, he's he's hmm. so. I mean, he's so compassionate, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's something we see through every doctor, regardless of different personalities. Right, the doctor is compassionate, especially towards children. Like especially children. Yeah, the, the doctor is not one to ever leave a child behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty and... sure the doctor identifies as a child. So, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think it's that, but and there are definitely versions, or like you know, versions of the doctor that are more childlike, I guess, in mm-hmm. personality. But right, I, th- I think it's more like the doctor knows what it was like to be that child and to be uh-huh. kind of lost and alone. It reminds uh, me of a quote from classic who actually uh, Tom Baker, the fourth doctor said, what's the point of being a grown up if you can't act childish son- sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> um, I like love that. that. That's one of my favorite quotes of anything of all time. Yeah, it's a great quote. And I, I think like there are definitely certain doctors that kind of live by that. I think nine less so, but um, mm-hmm. we see it more with other doctors. Those, those especially, 11. Of, especially 11. Especially 11. Especially <laughs> 11. Um, I mean, come on, he has he, a Christmas list. <laughs> I love 11. Um, yeah, it would definitely feel weird if nine was like that because like um, Chris just brings something very unique to his mm-hmm. doctor's performance um like he's, he's definitely a doctor kind of forged in the fires of war and um i think i think too we really see a connection with him and nancy because of that like they're both they've both, they're both lost people, people who yeah they both lost a lot and I, at the moment when um the doctor looks at her and asks like who have you lost oh he didn't even was, look at her he didn't um, look at her when he said that. Well, yeah, I was just in the figure of speech. But, okay, okay, um, okay. You know, but yeah. The, well, that to, to, me, to me, it adds more weight, the fact that he's not looking at her when he says that. No, that's fair. Um, no, I, that, that's I, why I, I said that, because it, to me, it feels like it adds more weight to the question. No, I think, I think that's fair. But that was a great scene, though. Like, they, you know, the doctor is basically just, like, understands her and, like, mm-hmm they've both felt that they've both felt that loss and I think right. they see that in each other in that scene. And it's, it, it was just very good. A very right. good scene. Um, let's see what the, else. The actor playing Dr. Constantine was really good. He's very good. Um, he's also in Merlin, which is another very good show. And, uh, also playing a doctor in Merlin. Um, <laughs> but no, he's great. Um, he his his like moment before he like transforms into like the mask being was right just a very good bit of acting mm-hmm. um, even even if the cg was very wacky with that he still did a good job yeah the, the cg was like 
you know, is, is a little bit off. But it one thing it, I mean, it did work to like be very like creepy and uncanny. So right. In in a way, it almost doesn't matter that it wasn't like super good CG because like it gets the point across, you know. Right. It, um, and it's it's was still a big improvement from like the trash can <laughs> at the <laughs> beginning of the season. I'd forgotten about that. Like honestly, even just like yeah, episodes to episode, the the effects have gotten a lot better, um, except with the Slavine. oh yeah <laughs> um but they yeah they but they obviously put a lot into like just how this episode looks how it feels like the the locations were great um i i would assume they probably shot on location a lot and didn't really mm-hmm. build much as far as sets but um well i like mean was... to be fair yeah they do like i do know they don't they try not to film in london so much like surprise surprise but yeah, <laughs> uh, because they're they're in Cardiff. They film in Cardiff. That's why there's yeah. so many. Lo- that's why in Doctor Who you always see them in Cardiff so much because they're literally filming in Cardiff. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the studio is. Right, um, and they even make like make jokes about that. Yep. Um, but yeah, like there are some great locations that I love. The hospital. Um, it was so spooky and mm-hmm. it it all felt. And I'm no like you know. I'm no historian, so I can't tell you how like right. accurate everything was, but it all felt like it was 1941. You know, it, it, it did. felt very, it felt very true to the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I very, I got some uh, Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe vibes. Yeah, kinda. There was there was a similar vibe to that, um, which you know makes sense because it's like takes place in uh, time. Yeah, it takes place in the time same time period. You know. During this episode, somewhere the Pevensies were off exploring a <laughs> big house and getting lost in wardrobes. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's all I have without getting into spoiler territory. Um, let me look over my notes. Okay. I just had some like random notes that are probably like they're not really related to anything. Yeah. No, but... I er- I've I've been erasing quite a few notes. One note I had that I just thought was funny is. Um, is Rose going to spend the whole episode dangling from a rope? <laughs> Which I think I wrote that down probably about 15 minutes in because like she had been dangling from that rope for a long time. Right. Um, the doctor talking to a random cat was very good. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I also just enjoyed that like we're kind of at the point in the season where like Rose has kind of gotten the feel for how things work mm-hmm. and the at the beginning of the episode or not the beginning but like after the after the uh intro when they're kind of like had made their landing you know mm-hmm. you can tell she's like on board she knows what's happening she knows like kind of the right questions to ask um right even her seeing through the psychic paper i thought was very good right right um jack trying to like use a psychic paper on her and she's like oh it just says you you're single <laughs> or you're available <laughs> or whatever um let's see yeah i think that's about it again just like a very well-paced episode and a great mystery and 
an, an effective cliffhanger, even though like mm. it was a very simple cliffhanger, but I think yeah. it worked. Um, yeah. Sometimes the most simplest of things are the most effective things. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where this episode really shines is it's, it is simple. It's, there's a lot of simplicity to it with like, you know, the, the kid with the, the ending, there's not like, there's a lot of sort of moving pieces, but it, you never really get overwhelmed, which right. I think, I think there are definitely Moffat episodes later where that you do really get overwhelmed because oh, there's so definitely, much, but, definitely. but this one, like this one handles everything very well and, and mm-hmm. in mostly a simple way. I think, right. I think that's why it works so well. Right. So okay. yeah. Okay. Let's get let's... into spoilers. Spoiler warning. I can't believe Rose dies in this episode. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel bad because I I do feel like we bash on Rose a little too much. And like I, I, I can understand like maybe some fans would be upset with like that and also just making Rose dying jokes, but like yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, oh, that, I, I that's just, not why I'm making those jokes because I don't like her. I'm just making those jokes because we made it once and it's just become a running joke. <laughs> uh, that's the only reason um, why. No, like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, and, and it is a thing with Doctor Who of characters, like, dying, quote, unquote, and, like, coming back. Rory. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, Rose also, in a way. And Jack, a lot. And, and Jack. Um, maybe, like, in the future we can mix it up with, like, joking about other characters. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Rose is the companion at the time. I mean, like, when, when Martha comes on board, we'll be like, I can't believe Martha died. Or when I want to joke Donna... about Martha dying, but that's upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah, so... Uh, well, yeah, so wait, wait, wait till we get to World Enough in Time. I'll be like, I can't believe Bill died in this episode. <laughs> Uh, it's true i can't believe clara <laughs> died in this episode <laughs> uh, okay so somewhere i looked it up the date the year is 1941 in this episode in victory of the daleks the time year the year is also 1941 so somewhere out there possibly during this episode is 11 and amy hanging out with the daleks and winston churchill <laughs> while the Pevensies are off exploring a right, wardrobe. Right. <laughs> There's still a lot of things happening at the same time right now. Right. Uh, um, very busy year for the Doctor. Yep. Um, one thing I thought that was, was funny in this episode that was that um, the Doctor says that the TARDIS phone is not even yep. real or hooked up. Yep. But then, like, later in... Um, knew who we see that the TARDIS phone is real and actually hooked up and he the doctor gets phone calls on it Um, I'm trying to remember the I think the first time that part of the phone we know there's a phone inside the TARDIS yeah but I think the first time that part's used is the bells of St. John that's what I was thinking yeah because the doctor's a monk and he he's like it's not supposed he says that's it's not supposed to do that Ah, uh, okay. Um, but they do use the phone again. In the 50th anniversary. Um, and the time of the doctor. And time heist. And a lot of other episodes. Yeah. 
I guess it's just like I don't know. May, maybe there was an explanation at one point, but or maybe uh. it's just some some like weird joke that the 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 TARDIS phone works even though it's not supposed to. I don't know. There it is possible Missy had something to do with that because it was Missy that gave Clara the phone number to the TARDIS. Yeah, but that was still post Bells of St. John. No, no, that was Bells of St. John. Like because Was it? Yeah, because Clara in that episode, Clara says a woman in a shop gave me this number. So oh, was I, I assume the woman in the shop was River. No, it was it was Missy. It's explained it, it must have been a long time since you've seen uh It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, because um in Death in Heaven, it's explained that uh, Missy is the one that gave out the number. Okay, yeah. Because also, because also in Hell Bent, you know the whole hybrid thing of it being two people, Clara and the Doctor, and me is like, how did you meet Clara? The Doctor's like Missy, and me's like Missy, the Master. Mm -hmm. It's like. It, it was a setup for a very dangerous combination. Okay. Yeah. Um, Doctor Who is a very confusing show <laughs> and there's a lot going on. So like, it, right. it doesn't surprise me that I like either missed all that or forgot all of that. Mm. Once we get to that, I'll, I'll point it out to you. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for it for sure. But yeah, mm. it's, it's been a little while. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, yeah. And also just like, you know, the chameleon circuit is supposedly broken <laughs> as well, but the TARDIS exterior changes fairly frequently. <laughs> right. So, um, I don't think the TARDIS is actually broken in all the ways the Doctor thinks it's broken. Right. I mean, we know the TARDIS has a personality of its own. Yeah, for sure. Like, so it's like the TARDIS is just, the TARDIS wants to choose her outfit, Okay. Yeah, and and I really I really enjoy that about the TARDIS. Um, mm -hmm. I love in um, the Doctor's wife when yeah. the TARDIS as a, as a person is like, yeah. but I always took you where you needed to go. Yeah, um, which was kind of like at that point we had probably kind of figured that out as a fan uh -huh. base, but it was it was nice to hear like the confirmation of it. You know, like yeah. Um, um, the lead up to Nancy being the mother. Yeah. So good in this episode. One thing I wrote down was that, um, and it, it I guess like, just like all the pieces of the puzzle that come mm -hmm. together at the end of the next episode, they're all here. Yeah. You could, you could, you could reasonably figure out the solution to everything. Mm -hmm. Which is you honestly unique for a Moffat episode. Cause usually he's just like, throw in a quick resolution yeah there's usually some timey-wimey stuff but but this was a very good setup to the mystery and that's i think that's kind of how the best mysteries are where you have mm -hmm. all the pieces to solve it before mm -hmm. it's solved you just don't quite know how the pieces fit together right and that's why knives out is so unique because yeah it, um, it has a completely different formula than most yeah, um, mysteries so spoilers for Knives Out. Um, if you have not seen it, definitely watch Knives Out. It's, it's, it's very really good. good. It's really good. Um, but yeah, like basically halfway through the movie, you kind of get like 
half of the resolution to the mystery like handed to you not even in the first half hour it's revealed who the murderer is yeah or like you, you, you it figure it you figure out it was purely suicide in a way um, in a way in a way yeah you, so you, you you get to this point in the movie and you think you know like how it's going to end and then like it turns into kind of like a thriller you know mm-hmm. um a thriller movie but then like there's another twist of course at the end and like you find right. out what really happened but like all the pieces mm-hmm. are there the whole time right it just does it just does a very good job of like misdirection you know you have yeah that's that's the that's that's the biggest thing about magicians and just mystery stuff like that is just miss the art of misdirection yeah you you have the promise and then you have the whatever and then you have the prestige yeah <laughs> um I don't remember how it goes exactly, but I don't Nolan movie. It's a good movie. I, it, honest, I think that's my favorite Nolan movie, to be honest. It's very good. And I think it's, again, it, it kind of works in its, and I don't want to call that a simple movie because it's not, but it. No, I was very worked, confused the first time. <laughs> it, it works very well as, again, it has kind of that same that same like thing of a good mystery where you have all the pieces, but mm-hmm. like in that movie, they're literally out of order and it's not until yeah. the very right. final shot that they all come together. Um, right. Also what's up with doctor who and always hinting towards there's another doctor present. It's like, you need to talk to the doctor. And then the, the doctor just gets a look on his face. Like what? <laughs> and like, Every pro- time, you know, if we probably like, was actually effective the first couple times but mm-hmm. they just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept like trying to convince us that you know mm-hmm. we're gonna meet another doctor mm-hmm. um until which, one day we actually did and, until we actually did and it was well depending on which time the the last time they did it was very weird that's, and that's the time i'm and, that's the time i was talking about okay <laughs> um Oh boy, Chibnall, 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 Chibnall. Um, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. That's like our that's like our catchphrase. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We'll get to the timeless children later. Uh, I think we see that every episode. We probably talk about the timeless children at least like in some vague sense every episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's all the spoiler notes I have. I don't know about you. Yeah, that is all I have got. Okay. Sweet. All right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next one. Definitely well, yeah. like one of my favorites of the season coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I'm I'm completely in suspense. <laughs> I'm I'm in so much suspense. What's what's the doctor how's the doctor going to pull it off? I mean, is everyone going to die or is everyone going to live? You know, just this once, will everyone live? Just this once, I would love it for if everyone lived. Like, yeah personally but i mean it's you know it's very doubtful it's very doubtful that that's gonna happen yeah all right well thank you everybody for joining us next time we will be watching doctor who series one episode 10 the doctor dances where we get to see the doctor get on some of his groove he's gonna do the mamba oh yeah